What's up, you creepy fucks, and welcome to the Let's Talk Horror channel uh, with me, BP, and welcome to the second part of the Nightmare on Elm Street specials. Uh, if you're listening to, to the second part and you haven't listened to the first part, then you've you royally mugged yourself right over. You need to go and listen to the first part first, uh, and then you get in line, and then you'll you know exactly what's going on, which is why I'm not going to do a massively long intro like the other one. Uh, because I don't need to. But obviously, uh, on this episode with me for the second part of the specials, uh, for the spooky season for Halloween, all about Nightmare on Elm Street, I have uh, the same guest as I had before. Luckily, um, he's with me because he loves the series of, of films. Uh, we've got Scott from the You Run podcast with me again. Hello, Scott. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me back. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. Oh, I'm happy to have you here with me. Obviously, um, you know, it's been a bit mad recently, as we know, but we're here ready to record uh, part two, which I'm really excited for. I'll give you a brief rundown, everyone, if you don't know, but you should know everywhere, you know, already you would have listened to part one, but you're going to get a run through of our walkthrough notes of uh, the, the remaining three films of the original seven. And then you're going to get something I'm really excited about, which is the rankings. Um, I don't know what Scott's is. He doesn't know what mine is. And to be honest, huh. I keep forgetting what mine is. So <laughs> either way, we're going to have fun when it gets to that. And we're going to close it off uh, in sort of Let's Talk Horror Channel fashion, where we really talk about, I mean, this iconic series in horror. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street is integral. It's iconic. It's so important to us horror fans. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end. But we might as well get straight into it. Uh, with the first of the last three that we're doing, which is not a Elm Street Five, Dream Child. You can for... I can I make a groan noise now? And go, oh. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I try and like, I try and keep like sort of as on the line with with these films as I can. And even in the first episode, when I was listening to it back and editing, I was sort of like trying to keep it behind where I'm like. Oh, do you know what? I don't want to say that just yet. I'll wait till yeah. my rankings. But this one's going to be fucking tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so um, Dream Child, it was released in 1989. It was directed by Stephen Hopkins and it's starring Lisa Wilcox as Alice Johnson, Kelly Joe Minter as as Yvonne Miller, as we know already, I can't pronounce names because I'm so fucking dumb. <laughs> so I just go through it. Um, Erica Anderson as Gre Greta Gibson, Danny Hassel, Hansel, I don't know, as Dan Jordan, Beatrice, I can't fucking pronounce that, <laughs> Beatrice Biopol, I don't know, as Amanda Kruger, Whit Herford as Jacob Johnson, Joe Seeley as Mark Gray, we're nearly there, and some other people, that's all I've put there, uh, and obviously <laughs> Robert England as Freddy Krueger. I've got to mention him every single time. Yeah, just in case anyone doesn't know. Just in case anybody goes, is Robert England in Dream Child? The thing is, if you don't do it, I guarantee that's the first message you're getting. Is Absolutely. Robert England not in that one? Absolutely. Did I miss something? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it currently sits at 5 out of 10 on IMDb and 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that sort of tells something about this entry into the series. The Google synopsis that we have from this is, so Alice is living a peaceful life with Dan. <laughs> they say peaceful. But then Freddie starts to wander again, <laughs> wander again in her <laughs> life through the sleeping mind of her unborn child. 
will his intention to be born again succeed? To be fair, that's the best synopsis they've had of yeah. any so far. So out of, out of, I nearly said it, I'm going to say it, out of the worst one, <laughs> they've <laughs> given the best synopsis. There you go, there's, there's a peek into my rankings. Sorry if anybody was well excited about that. So, yeah, so these are my walkthrough notes. And then as we did in the first part, Scott will then go through his and, and so on like that. Uh, and then also, as I go through it, I need to decipher my own brain uh, because most of the time I don't know what the fuck I was talking about when I wrote these down. So uh, I, I, I looked at my notes earlier and I'm going, what? what? What's yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to delete a few things and change a few things, but we'll get through it. We'll figure it out as we get through it. Um, so for this one uh, at the start, I put opens with annoying sounds and annoying music, which is pretty standard at this point in these films. Uh, cool cinematography when Alice becomes Freddy Krueger's mama and we see Robert Englund's face without makeup. And I think that's like that's earlier on where it's in this sort of like weird, almost looks quite industrial yeah, um, sort of scene. But you've got Robert Englund. And I don't know at that point if he's meant to be. Freddie, I'm not really sure at that point. Or oh, whether he's just meant to be a mental person that's there, and then you're supposed to be like, oh, there's Robert England. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. There's, I've got I've got probably more questions about this movie than any other movie <laughs> in the franchise. Yeah, it's, yeah, it does it does it does make you you know question a few things and have a lot of questions. Um, but I like the sort of setting of that. That looks quite quite cool. But then boring story bits pursue. That's why I put. Um, it's those damn creepy kids again. So they're back, finally. What the actual fuck is going on in this film? That's all <laughs> I want to put for that. Um, worst characters of the series so far, I feel nothing for them. Dan's death might look cool, and they did a good job, but that's standard in the series, as we know. But this is just plain stupid. And I think Dan is uh, the one that gets the... It's like the motorcycle one. Yeah, it, it looks cool, but it's a bit... I mean, it's difficult to say things are far-fetched in a film that can be set in a dream world, but it's just a bit silly for me. Yeah, it's. I think what annoys me about this one is kind of the way they bleed the the dreams into the real world doesn't sit right with me. No. It kind of, in, in the other movies, you get dream world, real world, and there's no kind of crossover. So you see someone who's asleep and they're having a nightmare, and then in the dream world, they're being dragged around a room. But in this one, he's making him drive cars. He's making him do this. He's making him do that. And I'm like, what's going on? How could he do that? They just completely rewrote the rules of Freddy for this movie. Yeah. And hence, also, it makes sense when I say what the actual fuck is going on in this film. Because yeah. now it makes sense. <laughs> um, the lines from Freddy in this are cringeworthy. Yeah. So this is like Freddy at his most comical, most cringeworthy, most dad jokes <laughs> you know this is you know it, there's there's not really much fun to be had with what he's doing or saying in it no he, he's very much just phoning it in in this one yeah absolutely um alice's father albeit in it only for a few scenes but he's actually a good dad and probably one of the only good parents in the series which is a bit of a callback to part one uh where we spoke about how horrible all the bloody all... parents are in it um yeah. But he's actually a really good dad, which is nice. Yeah, and and so out of place for every every parent in Springwood is an <laughs> arsehole, and he's the only one who's not. Yeah, absolutely. The overfeeding scene is gross and nasty, but once again stupid and not like Freddy at all. Apart from the die bitch note on the fridge that's clever. Oh, yeah, so there's a bit 
in that scene where it obviously looks gross and they all look like like uh, what they garbage pal kids when she's yeah. getting blown up and everything. But there's a, like a little snippet where you see on the fridge and then it's just a note that says die bitch. And that <laughs> that made me laugh a lot because it, that that was sort of a little bit like Freddy, you know, what I mean. That I've got issues with that scene. I'll wait till I get to my run through. I've got, yeah, I've got... <laughs> absolutely. How can she go to sleep so fucking quick? That's a talent. The Elm Street house has seen better days. There's a bit, yeah, obviously it's all derelict and all fucked up. The Jacob kid is a better actor than the rest of the people in the film, which is probably why he went on to be in Jurassic Park and the Adams Family. In both films, he did play an absolute dickhead, though. He does dickhead well. Yeah, well. he does. He does do it really well. But I remember, like, when I was watching this through, I was just like, like, where have I seen him before? And I did have to look look uh, on, on the Google and do a little search for it and then realise as soon as I saw Jurassic Park, I was like, oh, yeah, he's that dickhead kid at the start of Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's Adam's the one who family. causes all the trouble. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, don't fuck with Sam Neill, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> do unborn babies dream is a sentence I didn't expect to hear, especially twice. <laughs> just, just so many random things like they say in this film, and and do unborn babies dream is an actual line in the film. And then afterwards, when I heard that, it actually then made me start thinking, do unborn babies dream? Because my brain works like that. <laughs> yeah, and did please tell me you googled that because now I'm questioning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just my search history on Google after watching Dream Child is so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, womb baby scene is another bloody weird one to say the least plant trousers are cool I'd make some if I gave a fuck um, so I think I think that's what it is is in one of their rooms or bedrooms there's a pair of jeans that is like basically turned into a plant pot yeah uh, and it looks quite cool but once again like that's way too much effort for me to try and do something like that uh, so that's, that's another thing on the search uh, history. I, I, I'm I'm even more baffled because I completely missed that. Oh yeah, they're in there. They're in there somewhere. Some old acid wash jeans from the eighties. Um, yeah, with that are just basically turned into a plant pot. It's quite cool. Oh, that's amazing. I would like to say I'm going to go back to try and find it, but I'm I'm not. No, don't I'd bother. Be lying. Don't bother. <laughs> just Google it. Just Google yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the Mark character is like a shit Bill Paxton slash Tony Hawk. At what point did this franchise stop being a horror and be a soap opera? Oh, no, at this point, that's right. <laughs> there was just like an elongated scene where they were just talking and uh, it was like watching Neighbours. And I'm like, I'm not watching Neighbours, I'm watching Nightmares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was uh, it was too much. So I think I blacked out uh, at Mark's death <laughs> because uh, it's so stupid. But once again, it's visually nice, but not the point of Freddy. Uh, and I think I did almost black out quite a lot during this film. Freddie's makeup on this film makes him look like a toasted Phil Collins. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. is not something I ever thought I'd hear anyone say. <laughs> no, but there you go. It's, it's true. You wait. You'll never be able to watch this one without thinking of uh, of Susudio or anything like that ever again. <laughs> This goes full dead eye and seeing Freddie hanging from her uh, looks like the funniest thing. Oh, yeah. So it's just I mean, some of the things in this film, when it comes to we know that the effects are going to be good. But in this film, they take it to a level where it just doesn't work. They might look good still, but they just don't work. Uh, yeah. And that being one of them where um, 
you know, how Freddie's like hanging from a sort of thing. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It just looks funny. It looks stupid. You laugh yeah. at it rather than going, well, that looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Mama Kruger uh, comes to the rescue and like the, and I like the effect of all the doors closing and smashing, which is cool. Um, and then the last thing I've got on my uh, walks through notes is it ends abruptly, uh, but not without essentially saying he's still around and there will be another one. I, I think your walkthrough notes of mine are going to be very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Right, let me hit me with them. Hit me with them. Uh, so mine starts with, oh, for fuck's sake, we're back to the Amanda Kruger story. Yeah. Because um, that's the only thing I didn't like about Dream Warriors was that yeah. storyline of the mum. I don't need the origin. I don't care where he came from. No. I, I don't need all that. He was killed in a fire by vengeful parents, he come back to get his revenge. That's enough. It's yeah. a slasher. I don't yeah. need... It's not hereditary. I don't need an hour disposition. And you've done it in Dream Warriors. I don't need it again. No. It just it wound me up so it's, much. Especially in a film that you know is not going to be able to make it work. <laughs> exactly that. Um, I love the... I've got in my notes, I love the fact that I see lots of Robert England not in makeup. Yes. Yeah. There's lots of shots of him in a... I don't know if that was a negotiation he had where he went, look, I'm I'm done with the makeup now. I need a bit of a a break. But I thought yeah. that was really cool. I, I liked that. The shower filling up was cool. Yeah. Where the, sh the shower fills up. But then they fucked it up when she kind of goes from the shower into with all the maniacs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, how has she done that? Did she fall asleep in the shower? Yeah, <laughs> no, like, how does that even happen? It's yeah. like you were saying earlier, like, there's, like, did the whole real world and dream stuff in this film doesn't make any sense no it's it's almost like they they knew where they wanted to go but they had no way of getting they they couldn't make yeah. people fall asleep when they wanted so they just just forgot the fact they needed to do that when oh they're in the dream world now yeah um, and then they use that wishy-washy explanation of oh well the baby's dreaming so the baby's going in and dragging the <laughs> awake person with it was like no i don't believe you it's so, it is so weird uh motorcycle scene is possibly the best practical effect in the whole franchise okay it's so, it's so out of place yes yeah it, that's the thing it's so good that's like i was saying it just looks fantastic but it just doesn't work no, it really doesn't. And it's like he's in a car and then he crashes the car and then he gets on a motorcycle and then Freddie gets him again. But is he awake? Is he? It's that constant not knowing what's going on. Um, and then I've got all of the supporting cast. So you've got the Olympic diver. You've got the the girl who wants to be a supermodel. And then you've got like the the geeky guy. They're just picking like personalities out of a hat now and going, we're going to yeah. have one of these and one of these. They that these groups of people we all went to school these groups of people did not mix and they were not friends no 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 exactly <laughs> they, they they really weren't you didn't have the the woman who wanted to be a supermodel she didn't spend a lot of time with the guy who read and drew comic books no no exactly exactly uh, they it's just like a mix mix match of, of different personalities put together that doesn't really make sense yeah, one thing I thought was really cool is the um, aha moment where in the comic book where he draws himself into the comic book and it goes all aha he music video yes. for about a split second. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then they binned it and didn't do anything with it. <laughs> um, baby Freddy and young Freddy are just dismal. Yeah. I, I hated baby. He's got like that oversized head. Just It's so fucking weird. Yeah, um, Chef Freddy. 
this is where my <laughs> issues really lie with this movie, where he's he's like a waiter slash chef, and they do this weird kind of like time-lapse food decay in the fridge that honestly looks like it's something... Do you remember Morph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like that kind of quality. It's like Tony Hart fucking sat there and done it. I was like, <laughs> what is this? Um, my notes are all over the place because this movie is literally all over the place. Yeah. There's no... There's nowhere I can draw a line and go, oh, this leads into that. Um, Super Freddy? Thoughts on Super Freddy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's just so weird. It's like... I feel like in this film... And it's like a bit like you what you were touching on earlier. I feel like in this film, what it is is it was all ideas that they thought that's cool. Yeah, but they just didn't know how they were going to get there or how they were going to do it. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to have a comic book thing with Super Freddy, a uh, Super Freddy sort of thing. How yeah. do we do it? How do we work that in? I don't know, but it's going to look cool. A bit like you were saying with the shower bit. You know, yeah. it's like oh, we're going to go from a shower, but then she's going to be in this place. That's going to look really cool aesthetically. Um, but, ha- but but how do we get there? What what do happen? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we get there. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll just get there. We'll figure um, it out. I, do, I like the fact that the, I can't think of the, is it Mark goes 2D? Goes yeah, 2D yeah. Paper, I think that's one, yeah. And Fre- Freddie tears him up. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, the chase scene at the end was ripped straight out of Labyrinth. <laughs> up there up, up, upside down the only thing that was missing was a bit of bowie track and freddie yeah. doing some moves as he was going around yeah um and the kill for freddie the fact that jacob killed him i was like oh come on man yeah i i i, I dialed out of this I, I said on part four that the wheels would start to come off in part five this is now just the carcass of the car bouncing down the road this is it this is the, like the, the the wheels just just rolling rolling and and that's it they've come off and they're, they're going full throttle down a hill never to be seen again yeah it's it's uh, I, I, that's pretty much where my notes end I, I i've ended it with fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> And don't get me wrong, I still enjoy it. I like all yeah. the nightmare. I enjoy all of them, but this one at the end, I was yeah. like, I don't want, I don't want to watch you again for a while. You can, <laughs> go, you can go back in the bin. I'll watch you in twenty twenty five. Yeah, um, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's um, and we talk about that, like we said at the end as well. But it's it is exactly that. You know, we're we're saying about this film, and and we're having a laugh about it and taking the Mickey out of it. But do we still enjoy watching these films and stuff? Yeah, of course yeah. we do. Of course we do. It's horror. How what's not to find fun about it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so thoughts on the film. Uh, this is where rather than obviously after our walkthrough notes, this is my thoughts on, on the film itself. So this film is not scary at all and has more of a gross out factor than a creepy factor. One we're accustomed to Freddy by now and 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 who he is um which is basically what it is you know for me you know creepy freddy is, is the way to go and always has been not you know mtv gross out cabbage patch kids <laughs> whatever <laughs> <it> is, freddy <laughs> the deaths in this film look nice but they have done in all these films so far but in this they are just plain stupid which is pretty much what we said before yeah Funny Freddy is not for me in the slightest. Well, not to this degree anyway. He's almost like he's a cameo from a stand-up comedian every now and then who pops up um, and something witty, which isn't actually witty, and then he kills someone. Yeah. 
Um, the set design looks good when you see that. Uh, when you see them, though, because nothing really happens in this film. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, the pace feels super slow and the and ultimately makes no sense. And there doesn't feel like there is any intelligence behind these this entry to the franchise at all. What direction did they think they were going in with this film? It feels at some point like a straight to TV movie or an episode of a teen drama. Um, and then the last thing I put, I struggle to find anything I like about this film, apart from the fact that Alice's dad is actually incredibly supportive of her. And I like that rather than be an absolute dickhead like all the other parents in the other films. Yeah. That's what I put for my thoughts. My thoughts, the overuse of CGI is a step down in quality. I hate yeah. the fact they use CGI in this. Um the use of practical effects is still good, but it has been throughout the whole franchise. Yeah. The movie's super confusing, making the dream world and real world mix so thin that it becomes almost laughable. There's points where in the movie where I don't even know if we're in the dream world or the real world. Yeah. All that being said, Robert England's performance when he's not in makeup is great. When yeah. you put him in Freddy, this movie's become like a cartoon. It's like watching a live action version of Scooby-Doo, and it's about as scary as that as well. <laughs> This, for me, is a, a dire entry in the franchise. I'm not saying it's the bottom, but it's definitely not the top. I will not be revisiting this anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's pretty much it. Uh, th there's nothing more that you can say on this film uh, other than what we've just basically said. Yeah. Okay. If you think otherwise, then good. I mean, you know, that's the point of all this. You know, if, if there's people out there who absolutely love dream child then then good uh, you know and and yeah. if you do let, let us know we want to we want to know why um yeah if you can justify to me why this is a great movie i will 100 percent listen to you <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely because <laughs> i i want to hear those mad rantings and you could explain to me why <laughs> yeah yeah why why this is someone's favorite in the series yeah, I mean, some people want the world to burn, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so in this point as well, um, every film that we've done so far, we do uh, the production info that I've got for it. So, screenwriter Leslie, uh, another name that I'm not going to pronounce, Boham, something like that, originally pitched the basic storyline for the Dream Child to New Line executives during pre-production for Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: The Dream Warriors. New Line executive Sarah Risha, Risha, Daniel, was pregnant at this time and took exception to the idea of a newborn Freddy Krueger clawing his way out of a woman's womb. Understandably. That. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Risha, Risha, whatever her name is, herself stated to, uh, st started to think about the storyline and realised that the teenagers who had watched the original Elm Street film in 1984 were now starting to grow up and have their own families prompting the development of dream child in the late 1988 so basically she was she had a kid she came on board because she realized that everybody else was getting old yeah <laughs> um, pre-production on part five was challenging uh, primarily due to the frequently changing script Director Stephen Hopkins recalled that the bulk of the final film came from Leslie Bohm's script, although John Skip and Gray Spector also added material, causing the Writers Guild of America to intervene when deciding who should ultimately be credited for the film. And with those sort of things as well, you can... It, I mean, it's filmmaking, isn't it? And it's the process and stuff. And you, you always think to yourself, well, what would the film have been if... You know, they'd they'd left been, it alone. Yeah, if they'd have <laughs> left it alone, if they'd have given them what they wanted, 
you know, um, I, I we did obviously the Jaws episode recently, and and we spoke briefly about imagine as good as Jaws is, imagine if they if the shark had worked, <laughs> if Bruce yeah. the shark had worked, what film would we have gotten if that you know the mechanical shark wasn't fucking up all the time how different would the film be and that's what it's like for so many films that you know like i I mean i'll go into a little bit more here about it but there's so much involvement that goes into these films that sometimes it can have such a negative impact that we don't know whether dream child could have actually been really the best one exactly Director Hopkins was keen for the film to have more gothic imagery uh, than its predecessors, leading to inserted footage of towers, castles and a dungeon like asylum. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, was released on uh, August 11th, 1989. The film had the highest budget of a Nightmare on Elm Street film at the time of eight million. And overall, the film grossed 22 million uh, and was the highest grossing slasher film released that year. The overall reception for the film is pretty much what you get from a Freddy film with very mixed reviews, but mostly negative, obviously, (laughs) where most would say uh, it has lost what it's supposed to be about and become a film more of the time than the story and idea. Some would say that Freddy is no longer the Freddy we knew and loved to hate. He's just hated. Universally, the special effects uh, were the highlight for critics saying that if one thing the series does well is the effects and, um, you know, they are right, as we know. Yeah. Director Stephen Hopkins has always been disappointed in how the film came out as he had high hopes. But when he got a small budget and they cut so much during editing, it was not the film he made and now refuses to watch it. I'd love to see a director's cut of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would just be, it's like we were just saying, you know, you never know if, if you give somebody the full resources of what they want and what they're trying to achieve, um, you never know what, what the outcome is going to be. And, and as, as you rightly said, this could have been the best one. It wouldn't, but it no. could have been. <laughs> not when you're talking about a, a, a big fat-headed child of Freddy Krueger. Um, <laughs> it's the bit where he crawls into the jump rob, like, no, yeah, what, yeah. what are you so, doing? It's so strange, isn't it? It's such a strange film. And then we've got three Freddy facts each. So uh, with mine, my first one, I've got Robert Englund didn't play Super Freddy. Uh, instead of putting a bodysuit on England, New Line Cinema hired Michael Bailey Smith to take on the role. So it wasn't uh, Robert Englund, just some big bloke. Just some big bloke. Just some big bloke. And padding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Smith has stated that the lightning bolt on his chest wasn't originally part of the costume, but was added in added in after his shirt, shirt caught on fire. So there we go. Erica Anderson got spaghetti sauce stuck in her prosthetics. So Erica Anderson's character, Greta, is another character who gets quite a graphic death. death. Uh, Freddie forces food and her own organs into her mouth until she she chokes to death, which is nasty. Anderson had to wear prosthetic cheeks in the sequence to pull off the effect, which forced the actress to only eat through a straw when she filmed the scene. Anderson became became so hungry on set that she decided to just eat the spaghetti that had been made on the set that day. That turned out to be a very bad idea since the the spaghetti sauce had dripped down into the chin part of her prosthetic and stayed there all day. Oh, no. Basically, it's fucking gross. That is gross. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and then the last fact I've got is that the director only had eight weeks to finish the film, four weeks to shoot and four to edit. 
So New Line gave director Stephen Hopkins two months, one to actually shoot and another to edit. As a result, the production was in constant motion, shooting on one stage while the crew prepared another. Hopkins' efforts were impressive enough to later land a gig directing Predator 2. Uh, it, it shows that they only had short periods of time to do to work on it. Yeah, it's... um. It, it, I mean, we've already said it, you know, a few times yeah. during it. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's a shame when films don't get what they need or directors don't get what they need to to try and, you know, he obviously quite had a vision like so many of the directors of these movies have had, you know, yeah. they have the vision and they have the ideas, um, but are they given the tools to do that? So um, I'm sort of trying to defend it a little bit um, because I feel like you sort of do have to, otherwise you're just talking absolute shit about <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't want to do that. I, there's not much I can defend. I, no, I want to yeah. defend it, but I but just... there's not much. Th- there's not much. Th- there are some redeeming qualities, but they're few and far between. You, If you get, if you give me an eight-minute cut of this, I reckon I'd enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> right, what's your, what's your three facts? Uh, right, so this is the last film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise to have been released on video cassette for home media entertainment. So this was the last one you'd have ever rented from Blockbuster or your local video store. Oh, interesting. All of mine are the last. It's the final one. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, this is the final Nightmare on Elm Street to feature children living in Springwood. From here on out, none of the, none of the kids live in Springwood. Which is also interesting. I didn't think that. Um, and then the last one is a final Nightmare on Elm Street film until Freddy versus Jason to feature the jump rope kids singing the Freddy nursery rhyme. Um, so I, I went with finals. And I think that was because when I got to the end of this, I was like, what else did this fuck up? You ruined the jump rope kids. You ruined the kids living in Spring, Springwood. Not only that, you ruined it for video cassette. We didn't get any more VHSs after this because of you. <laughs> there just needs to there just needs to be like a documentary either called where did it go so wrong or where did it at any point go right yeah <laughs> dream child yeah and, and <laughs> spo- spoilers there are some there are some high points coming this isn't going to be a complete bashing of the the, of final, the last stages. final three yeah that's yeah it. no it won't it won't be it won't be yeah, so obviously, I mean, that's that. That's it. That's Dream Child. We move on to the to the sixth film in the series. So the sixth film uh, in the series is Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. Uh, this one was released in nineteen ninety one, directed by Rachel Talalalele. <laughs> Something else I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, and this film is starring loads of more people. I can't. I'm just going to go through it. Um, Lisa Zane as Maggie Burrows or Catherine Kruger. Cassandra Rachel Friel as young Maggie Burrows, Catherine Kruger. I don't know what's going on there. Tobe Sexton as teenage Freddy Kruger. Chase Schrimmer as young Freddy Kruger. Leslie Dean as Tracy Swan. Sean Greenblatt as John Doe. Brecken Meyer, who, you know, quite a few people know, as Spencer Lewis. Ricky Dean Logan as Carlos Rodriguez. Yafet Cotto, that's so wrong, as Doc. And there are lots of cameos, including Johnny Depp, Tom Arnold, Roseanne Barr, and Alice Cooper. So there's quite a few people in this one. There is. Surely um... that means it means it's fucking brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, so this film 
uh, it sits at 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. So just a little bit higher than uh, Dream Child. Google synopsis. So this is a short one. A child psychologist joins forces with a group of teenagers to track down psychopath Freddy Krueger. Is that it? Yeah, that's that's it. That's that's <laughs> that's all you're getting. Uh, that doesn't even give you a rough clue. Literally, what the film's about. literally doesn't give you at the absolute foggiest. Even Google at this point has given up on this series. <laughs> Google's like, ah, oh, whatever. It's a movie. It's got Freddy in it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and these are my watch through notes for the final nightmare. Uh, no creepy score, just rock and roll music, which is always fucking annoying. Uh, just, I think pretty much everyone that I've done of these so far, my walkthrough notes is basically saying, stop making fucking weird music at the start. Just give it the creepy shit. That's what I like. Yeah. Uh, the thing Freddie does is, uh, <laughs> the thing Freddie does is be a witch and try to be funny again. Not the start you hope for from a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a bit fucking. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's. Oh, I don't know. It, it then once again it's annoying is it because it, it goes on that line of like do you know what this is funny but then you're like but it's not nightmare on elm street yeah it, it's one of those things you go oh that's 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 quite amusing why did you do that yeah why did you do that <laughs> it might be all right in a different film not these films freddie's mask actually looks like a mask in this and not a good one uh yeah i didn't like like his his face in this one it didn't look so much like a toasted phil collins it just looked like he was wearing a mask in this one. Yeah. Brecken Meyer has a rat tail and still has the same nose uh, as what he grew into. <laughs> um, the characters are better for once in this and goes back to a group dealing with trauma, which we know Freddie preys on. And that's one thing that I did commend about this film was, was understanding who, who he preys on the most and who he finds the weakest. And yeah, they sort but... of went back to that. Yeah, they found the basic premise of a Nightmare on Elm Street again, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. It was, you know, it was it was nice that that they they took notice again. Yeah, they knew what they were making this time. That's it. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr as a cameo uh, couple was weird and very quick, but at least their characters and lines had value to the understanding of the story. Yeah, they weren't just pop in and go, "We're famous, hello everyone." It was you know, what we're saying has a purpose and, and so yeah. on. We're actually characters as part of the universe, not Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like I, I like Roseanne Barr. I grew up watching Roseanne. Yeah. So yeah, she's cancelled now. Um yeah she is. But who isn't? Who isn't? Um <laughs> it won't be long till we are. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so that map says we're fucked. Line uh, made me laugh as it's literally what it said. Oh yeah, so there's a. It's just like a really quick bit. There's a, basically they they look at the map and the map turns around and it literally has written on it with you're fucked. Yeah. And then she says, "Oh, what does the map say?" And he's like, "We're fucked." <laughs> like that bit <laughs> made me laugh. Um, these, you know, like you get the odd bit of good writing. The miniatures of the house do look proper shit though, um, and they do. It's not sort of on point for a Nightmare on Elm Street film, but yeah, they look they look pretty shit. 
Um, the, the cotton bud th- through the ear. Oh, okay, yeah. So the cotton bud through the ear would be fucking horrible. And not having the sound or having it at a low level actually shows uh, there was thought gone into it. And it goes on for for a while rather than a quick death, the poor guy. But the worst part about it is Freddie trying to be funny rather than sadistic. Um, this is this is a nasty scene. It's a very long scene and it's very, uh, you know, played out for, for quite a amount of time but it's a nasty one because once again you've got a character who actually has depth to him they've yeah. thought a little bit long you know outside the box and they've made this character deaf and it's and it's sad and that that's you know it's, it's playing on the trauma it's playing on the sad side of it of you going i don't want these people to die and then he does it in bad ways but unfortunately he then is silly about it yeah yeah because it's it's a great setup and it's yeah, it looks great as well. It's it's really, if you'd have put that kill in the original A Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah, everyone's mind would have gone bang. Yeah, absolutely. In this, he like Freddie's just walking around a bit like the Hamburglar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the guy who plays John Doe is not a good enough actor to be a lead. It might be controversial, I don't know, but that's, that's just my thought. Uh, and Johnny Depp basically saying drugs are bad is quite funny to me. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the computer game scene is really, really fucking stupid and it gets worse and worse and it's meant to be entertaining, but it just doesn't fit. But then at the same time, I mean, this is what he's sort of become by now, isn't he? Yeah. So the twist is that Freddie's kid was not a boy. It's the psychiatrist. Uh, that's what I've put there, and I don't even remember it. Um, Fre- Freddie is now unleashed on more than Elm Street Springwood, um, which is quite an interesting concept. Uh, you yeah. Know. Do you ever remember him being trapped, though? I don't ever remember that no. being part of the rules that no. he couldn't leave. No, I don't remember it either. It's just, uh... but then it sort of it sort of makes sense um, because it's like it never really gets mentioned throughout any of the other films as well. Like in the first one, it's only happening there and stuff. So you sort of think to yourself, well, maybe, maybe it's only there because they, this is where it all happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you're right. It doesn't mention it. Um, so not at any point do they turn around and go, oh, Freddie's trapped here, so he can't get out. Um, yeah, because if, if they'd have, if they'd have realised that in Nightmare 3, they'd have all just moved, moved out. Yeah. Freddie's dealt with. <laughs> That's it. Everybody's just like, just leaves it, just blows up this town. And then they're like, eh, that's fine. Don't worry about Freddie. He's sorted. He's dealt yeah, with he's nobody's sorted. going there ever again. <laughs> so uh, the scene where Freddie cuts his fingers off is cool as you get a little bit more info on who and why he is. Um, I like that you see some of Freddie's memories and how he came to be uh, who he is. Um, and to be fair, this whole scene is pretty good. I quite like it. The fight scene was oh and this is my last bit as well so it's quite short uh, notes i've done on it but the fight scene was over the top crap and could have found a better way to finally kill him off i mean it had to be the glove that, that was gonna do it because it's so yeah. iconic but the best was a bit pants bearing in mind they assumed that to uh, that to be the end of the franchise it just felt that um it was a bit rushed and there was there was quite a bit that went into the film, which I'll talk about in my thoughts, but it's quite a bit that went into the film and it felt the ending was way too rushed for them to go. Well, we know this is the last one. Well, they thought um, yeah. they could have done a bit more. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I've got more things I think I complain about. 
Good. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> good, good. Right, let's go through. What's your watch through notes? Okay, so my watch through notes is all the kids died in Springwood. What, what the fuck? Who wrote this? <laughs> um, Scooby-Doo style van, if Scooby and Shaggy were both meth heads. So <laughs> this is the um, grey painted That's it. van. It, it just instantly, I went, oh, it's the Scooby-Doo van, if they were massive drug addicts. And he's like, oh, Scrabble, what's up, heroin? <laughs> Uh, cotton bud in the ear oh my god then the hearing aid use is brilliant yeah also love the fact this kid uses his hearing aid when he doesn't want to talk doesn't want to listen to people just takes it out (laughs) i I could i could do with that especially at work yeah (laughs) just, just tune everyone out johnny depp cameo exclamation mark Tracy is the only character worth talking about. At least she makes a half attempt to kick ass. Mm. Fuck me, it's Alice Cooper. Yeah. Alice Cooper's Freddy's dad. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome and so <laughs> fucking weird. Followed by Alice Cooper was a bad parent. <laughs> um, uh, dream girl. Uh, so you know the the dream, the, the little girl in the dreams where she's seeing yes. her younger self? Yeah. Um, really bad wig. And also lock of hair in her eye for a good eight minutes of a scene. And it's just literally, it sat in her eye and it's never moved out. And it just really annoyed me. It's probably like the pain that she's going through filming that. And she's just like, don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> I don't want to do another time. I don't want to get fired. <laughs> um, the dream loop is stupid and not as good as part four. The teacher, they get this in the scene. So I've got um, teacher timeline in the school. Really weird. Also, why is there nuclear explosion discussed? So, you know, when <laughs> they go into the school and the teacher's got the, the timeline on the chalkboard? Yeah. Did you notice midway through? Yeah. They've got it had like Hish- a nuclear Hiroshima. Disaster, yeah. Hiro- Hiroshima? Hir- yeah, that's it. Yeah. Hiroshima. Hir- um, yeah. And I was like, well, what's that got to do with the Freddy timeline? Yeah. I noticed that and I was like, this is this is weird. Like, what point was, well, did Freddy go, to, go, go there? Was he, yeah. was he part of it? It was just, it just didn't. I didn't get it. I it kind of went, did that have something to do with Freddy? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think they knew. Video game scene is the worst part of the entire franchise. I fucking hate this. Now yeah. I'm playing with power, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, fucking stupid. Uh, and then I've got, what is going on with all this Wizard of Oz shit? Because they keep they play the music from the yeah. Wizard of Oz at the very beginning, and they do it again later. As right, well. okay, like, yeah. What's the tie-in with I didn't get the tie-in with the Wizard of Oz. I thought it was just strange. It's just strange, isn't it? Freddy becoming Freddy was so dumb. <laughs> so, uh, so like you know when they they make him explode and like his head explodes into another Freddy head? Yes. I didn't get that. And no. then <laughs> I've got uh the end. Hell sperm coming out of Freddy's exploding head. <laughs> I'm confused. Also, where did she get a pipe bomb from? <laughs> she just had it in her utility belt of uh, <laughs> of, of, of weapons against Freddy. And I know I've my notes sound like I've ripped it apart, but I like this entry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun yeah. ride. This one. Yeah. Well, that's weird. it. I'm, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. It's very weird. I mean, so so we move on to the thoughts on it, um, which is a little bit about like what you just said as well. Um, but the film is a weird one because it has some really good ideas, but then it ruins it with some really fucking stupid ideas. For example, the deaths all relating to being deaf, 
uh, and having no hearing is really dark and sadistic, almost quite reminiscent of going back to, say, like Dream Warriors. But it's dark. We know it's sadistic. It's nasty. And that's what this one sort of felt like for me. Freddy comes along and is doing his nasty things. It's just it's one of those kills that makes you think and goes, you know, where you go. I really don't want that ever to happen. So, yeah, so it's not it's not nice. Then Freddy ruins it by being silly and walking away and walking around like a hamburger. Yeah, and he's he's jumping around behind him, clapping his hands, laughing that he can't hear him. I was like, yeah. oh, come on. It's it's just weird. Um, it's a shame England uh, still acted like Freddy in his pre-Freddy state, as it was his chance to show his acting chops. So I think that's what it is, is when obviously you get in this film quite a lot of Robert England, you know, outside of the makeup and, and so on like that. And I felt that I know that he is Freddy, but he sort of becomes Freddy. And it would have been more interesting to me where those scenes would have felt less out of place and less like the real, like, you know, as if it was real rather than the dream world. Um, if yeah. he hadn't have hammed it up so much as he does as Freddy. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I felt like it was his chance to go, oh, remember, I'm Robert England. I'm a very good actor. But he sort of played Freddy and it just felt out of place because he doesn't feel like a real person. Yeah, he's, he's very caricature all yes. the way through. This film has some dark undertones, especially uh, the one uh, with her characters being abused by her dad, which is really, really nasty. But every scene has comedy in it, and it shouldn't. This, this franchise lost its creepiness and had a chance to get it back with this film, but didn't. And that's pretty much what I've already said. It's just, you know, once again, you've got a horrific thing where this guy, you know, the dad's abusing his daughter... And then it's and then they try and make it funny. Yeah. And you're well, why are you doing that? And surely when you're making it, you're going, Well, we've got a chance here. We've got a chance to give people sort of what they want. But then at that point, I'm guessing people just wanted funny Freddy. I don't know, but that's what it yeah. looked like it came to. Apart from the super shit miniatures and Freddy uh, Freddy's crappy mask, the effects as usual were pretty good. Having the 90s MTV music might be rad, but never suits these films or most horror in general. I mean, it, it sometimes suits some of the horror, but I always find it's it's weird when you have these sort of music in these sort of films and stuff. As much as I enjoy the songs outside of them, uh, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for the the atmosphere that the creepy scores and stuff like that bring, very much like the obviously the original theme of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I, I think with this, I think because they struck such gold with Dream Warriors yeah. and they had D Doken and that actually worked and it, it fitted in with that movie and the kind of the story they told. Yeah. I think after they struck that gold once, they spent the rest of the franchise trying to hit that again. And yeah. every single time they missed it by a mile. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Also, it has occurred to me that there's not many deaths in this film because when they do happen, it takes half the fucking film to do it. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing I've put uh, is seeing this one after not seeing it for a while left me angry as there was honestly more potential than there has been in quite a few of them. And uh, some of it, they did an OK job, but when they didn't, they really did not, which is to say uh, what I've already spoken about, you know, that they, they had the potential to create something here. But then at the same time, it's sort of like, then does it then just become another Dream Warriors, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but how, uh, you know, it could have been so reminiscent to, to Dream Warriors that it could have been a step in 
backwards if you get what I mean you know what I mean yeah yeah no I I, I do get you yeah I'm completely with you <laughs> yeah yeah good good uh what thoughts wise thought wise what have you got so I'm not sure if the title of this movie is just an admission of guilt by <laughs> New Line that, that that they know that this is this is the end and they decided it was all over um but at least they made the effort to try and go out with a bang practical yes. effects were back um, some of the practical effects, I would argue, probably hit as hard as they did in part three. Yeah. Which I still think has got some of the best practical effects in the whole franchise. Um, thankfully, Alice is gone. I'm glad Alice is gone. Don't yeah. like Alice. No. Um, but they replace her with a new star, a new new cast and new story that I simply don't care enough about to get invested. Uh, the movie takes a comical cartoon Freddy to a whole new level. It's become almost a joke now. The overall premise is far-fetched and insane. And I honestly don't think the franchise has any future after this. And that that's kind of where I I, I left my, my summary <laughs> on this. Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting entry to the series because, uh, as it says, it's supposed to be the last one. And you're quite rightly uh, said it sort of, they tried to go out with a bang, but that it could have been a real good one that in all honesty, they could have been like, Oh, it's the final one. And if they'd have done it right and, and taken those things that they did get right, they could have ended up going, actually, do you know what? This isn't the last one. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. And I, I, I get the feeling with this movie when I watch it, this movie kind of ended up with a lot of recycled ideas that never made other movies. Yes. I, I kind of think they sat there with all the notes from all the movies and all the ideas and went, we're going to take that one because I quite like that. We're going to take that one. I quite like that because none of the kills and none of the scenes really gelled well together. It's like uh, it's just lots of little scenes that are very loosely tied together. I, I just find it a really bitty film to watch. Yes, yeah, exactly. It. It's 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 a very oddly put together film where one minute you've got the essence of Nightmare on Elm Street there, and then the next minute you've got the crowd pleasing stuff that apparently that's what they think everybody wants. But in fact, it's the opposite of what people want. Yeah. I, I don't know what crowd they were trying to please, but it definitely it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> um, production info for the, for, um, for this film. So the decision was made to make the sixth entry, uh, the final film in the Elm street series director, Rachel Talalele, had produced most of the previous instalments and was keen to helm the sixth film as its director. She also had a numerous of the of ideas that would help refresh the series, including not calling the title of Elm Street Part Six uh, and incorporating the more humour into the entry, which she felt was lacking from the previous films. So she was all for the humour side of it. Um, so she was fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in the original script, Jacob Johnson, son of the previous instalment's main character, Alice Johnson, is the main character. Uh, and many of the Dream Warriors from A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, return to aid Jacob in defeating Freddy. And that's obviously the original idea for the film. Uh, as a publicity stunt for Freddy's Dead, New Line Cinema held a mock funeral for Freddy Krueger. The Los Angeles mayor at the time, Tom Bradley, declared September the 13th to be Freddy Krueger Day. But this move was heavily criticised for glorifying a mass murderer. With Robert Englund adding that we have to separate crime reality from movie escapism. And he's, 
mean, he's not wrong, but no, no, you he's... can see the arguments in both sides of it there, can't you? The thing is, though, that's insane. Could you imagine now them doing like a, we're going to make today National Conjuring Day. It's Ed and Lorraine Warren Day. It just yeah. wouldn't happen now. No, no, exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> we live insidious in Insidious different... Day. Yeah, insidious day. Yeah, that's it. It's it's just it's mad, isn't it? That 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 would that would happen uh, back then, and and that would be there would be controversy built up around whether you should have a day built up around a mass murderer. And now <laughs> now 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 it's going to be TikTokers are probably going to get stars on Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, it's that, it's crazy, the... and like it's crazy though because like back then it was like you you couldn't make a, a big thing about a serial killer and now you've got things like netflix pumping out series like dharma and everyone's going this is great and it's yeah. like serial killer stuff everywhere yeah it's so mad bizarre. isn't it it's absolutely mad it's so weird that the world that we we sort of live in now where that's that's uh that's you entertainment know, that's entertainment isn't it and uh i mean i don't know it's not my form of entertainment i don't think but um no, as you know, I've got a true crime podcast. I yes. absolutely hate true crime. So. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because the psychological side, that's what I'm interested in, not the glorification of these piece of shits. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm 100% with you. Like, yeah, that's it. I, I, I'm interested in why they've done it. I just don't like the fact that they actually they did it. done it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, so but going back onto Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Freddy's Dead was given a budget of nine to eleven million dollars, and upon released in nineteen ninety one, it made thirty four million. Uh, critically, the reviews were some of the worst of the series, uh, which is surprising, but highlighting how desperate the franchise is to stay relevant rather than understanding the source material. With one review saying they are reducing the once terrifying Dream Reaper into a goofy caricature. This joyless climax will leave audiences hoping Freddy stays dead. Uh, and uh, I mean, you know, he didn't. But we no, get on to we get on to that <laughs> we get on to that um, and these are my three Freddy facts. Peter Jackson worked on the first draft of the script. In the script, kids no longer took Freddy Krueger seriously and even purposefully went to sleep to go and beat beat on him. <laughs> but Freddy would Freddy would <laughs> Freddy would have managed to get some of his power back when he killed a kid and when a cop went into a coma. I mean, it's quite interesting but, that. I quite like the idea that there's kids going, oh, should we go and piss around yeah. with the, the dream <laughs> yeah. demon because he's not scary anymore? Let's go give him a kick in tonight. I know, like in my head, all I've got is like Freddy Krueger, like cowering in the corner and being like, not these pesky kids again. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Leave me alone. Like... <laughs> That's it. And then he kills one of them and gets the gets the thirst for it again. And I, uh... I quite like that idea. Yeah, well, then, you know, Peter Jackson, when he's not making... I don't know, these Lord of the Rings movies or whatever he's doing now, you know, go back to it. Peter Jackson might make a Nightmare on Elm Street film and do that. That would be That'd interesting. Be awesome. I'd see yeah. it. I'd see it. The final fight scene uh, was mainly improvised. No surprise there. The entire fight scene wasn't very well put together, which obviously we know because we've seen it. Um, when it came time to shoot the scene, the filmmakers hadn't decided how Freddy was going to be killed, which is fucking mental. Because obviously the film is literally called Freddy's Dead. So how do you not know how you're going to kill, uh, you know, uh, kill him off? Just madness. It's like, oh, okay, right, action. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, you know, one of the most iconic um, villains in horror and cinema of all time. Yeah, 
well, in this film, we're going to kill him. Really? Oh, that's, how are you going to do that? No fucking idea. Brilliant. We, have, we haven't thought about that. We haven't we'll, thought we'll about, about that about yet. We'll worry, worry about, about that when about he gets it. there. Listen, yeah. it's, it's the last one. Who cares? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last fact that I've got, it was adapted into a comic book series. Alongside the film, Innovation Comics released a three-issue comic book adaptation, the final issue of which was produced in 3D which people like me can't read because uh, I can't see 3D. So uh, I would have been fucking lost on me. Yeah, that's completely ruined for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's my three facts. What what facts have you got? Okay, so on the last one, I went with last. So on this one, I'm going to go with first. <laughs> um, so this is the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie not to end on a cliffhanger. There was no lingering tones at the end. There was no cackle. There was literally nothing. It just ended. Um, it's also the first Nightmare on Elm Street film not to have the words Elm Street in the title. And as you said earlier, they removed those because she wanted it to stand on its yes. own two feet and not yeah. trade on the back of Elm Street. Yeah, she's um, fucking wrong, wasn't she? Oh, massively so. Um, I've kind of got four. So the last one's really short. So I got a fourth one. So right, okay. uh, it's New Line Cinema's first film in 3D because the last portion of this movie you could watch in 3D. You could put on the glasses and watch the, the last bit. Well, right, you okay. couldn't. You couldn't. I but... couldn't, yeah. Yeah, your normal people <laughs> could. Yeah. People with dodgy eyes like me. No. It's weren't allowed. Um, the final one that I, I went with is uh, when Freddie punches Tracy in the face in the final fight yeah robert england actually punched leslie dean and sent her flying oh, he shit. actually punched her in the face um and they then edited it so, so she fell over he hit her so hard Blimey. um they edited it to keep the punch in so the punch you see him land he actually robert england actually landed that punch. he actually lamped her one he actually punched her, which I thought was, <laughs> it's like, I, and I, I know quite a lot. And I've seen Robert England at the convention. I've seen him speak. I can't imagine how apologetic he would oh, have been. Oh, yeah, absolutely. After, after nearly knocking a poor girl out. He's brilliant. Yeah. And they're like, by the way, we're keeping that in the film. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Cut. Brilliant. That's, <laughs> that's <it>. a wrap. <laughs> All right. So obviously that's it then, because there's no other films after that, because that was the, that was it. Freddie's dead. Uh, yeah, th thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, <laughs> or, or or is it? No, it's not because they did come back and they did do uh do another one. So, um, you know, it's part of the original seven. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we talk about it? So let's get into the next entry, uh, and then after that, so the seventh entry to the franchise is uh Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yes, you heard it right. Wes Craven's new nightmare. He came back, go the master returned. But did he make a film that was really good or did he make something that was really shit? I don't know. Let's get into it. It was released in 1994, which is still mental because to me it feels like not long ago, but 1994 was a long, long fucking time ago now. Was it was the year I left school? It's mad, isn't it? How long ago, mm. like how quickly time goes. And it's directed, as I've said a million times already, by Wes Craven. It's starring Heather Langenkamp. She comes back, uh, but this time instead of playing Nancy Thompson, she's playing herself, Robert Englund as himself, and the entity slash Freddy Krueger. Miko Hughes, probably right, as Dylan Porter. John Saxon as himself, as well as Donald Thompson. Tracy Middendorf as Julie, David Newsom as Chase Porter, 
and Wes Craven as himself and many other familiar faces return. Yeah. But not Johnny Depp. Um, (laughs) This film sits at 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb and 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not in the 20s or the 30s like some of the other ones. We're back up to 78% for this film. Google synopsis wise on the 10th. Yeah, I'm, God. Dread, I'm, I'm dreading this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Let's see how it absolutely ruins it. So on the 10th anniversary of the film, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and one of the stars, Heaven Lannenkamp's life, is being disrupted by a stalker. She finds that Freddy has entered her world and she has to defeat him. That's that's it. That's what you get from Google for that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that, I mean, it's is... quite good. That's the best one out yeah. of all of them by far. Yeah, that's They it. wrote more than a line. The best till last, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, let's, you know what, let's get straight into it. These are my watch-through notes for Wes Craven's new nightmare. So, the classic Nightmare on Elm Street 3 theme, already creepier than most of the others, but then we are straight into it. You know, I was so happy. As soon as it comes on and you hear that classic nightmare on elm street theme yeah you know yeah you were just i just feel like i'm a kid again you know what i mean like you you get this disappointment for so long and then you and then you reach the end of it and yeah you you know straight away you're like okay i'm back i'm back with it i'm back with the franchise i put always you absolute legend with already masterful directing it's all in the details. And I love that the Chase character has a mug of his special effects company and he's wearing a Fangoria T-shirt for special effects. Um, only Wes would have these little details. And it's just like little things in his films that you just, they're not in your face, but they're just there. And if you're somebody that enjoys watching films and those little bits, um, you can pick those out in Wes Craven movies because, but they're not there, as I said, to stand out. They're just there because he's trying to add that extra layer, that extra depth yeah. to go. This is a real world that you're watching, um, yeah. and he's he's so good at that. The kid's head is massive, and he's super creepy. The, <laughs> um, yeah, that kid, he's got a big head. That's all I can say on that. Love the handheld sort of look they go for in a lot of the shots. So I think they don't really do that in really any of the other uh, entries into the film. It's just Wes Craven being the innovative sort of director that he is. Um, Not all of it is, but when it needs to be a lot like the earthquake scenes and so on, it all goes sort of handheld. And once once again, it goes, it's the understanding of that masterful directing that Wes Craven is a real filmmaker. Yeah, um, he, he brings you into the movie with him. So when it's handheld, it's because he wants you to feel like you're moving with that person. It's it's brilliant. Yes, it, yeah, absolutely. Um, they did the Jaws shot. That's what I put in there. Um, they did the whole, I don't know how to explain it, but it's the reversed sort of shot that they do uh, in Jaws where it, it's panning out while it's zooming in. Yeah. That's the shot that they do in Jaws, that iconic imagery. They do that in this film. Um, and then it just reminded me of Jaws. And it was I liked it. Um, <laughs> I love how subtle the performances are in this film, which really adds to the telling of the story uh, in regards that they are they, themselves and not characters. That I mean, I think that's just a really, really, you know, clever, clever way of doing it. None of them are sort of hamming it up. They're playing real no. people because that's yeah. they are playing real people. 
Yeah, which makes I imagine makes as your job as an actor a lot easier. Today yeah. you're just being you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're, pay- you're paying me for that. Brilliant. Yeah. Where do I or, sign? Or it's like the absolute opposite because then they're like, "How do I be me?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten who I am. Good to see some old faces, but unfortunately not in the best circumstances. But John Saxon looks exactly the same. Uh, he aged well. The bloody TV is not even plugged in. I've put that in uh, because I completely forgot that when he's watching TV and, and it's all on and it's doing all this stuff, then it's sort of, you know, it's not even plugged in. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> um, there's so many layers to this film. That's what I put there. The second Nightmare on Elm Street film uh, for Lynn Shay, she pops up again. Yeah. Uh, I'll put this is one sneaky kid because he keeps going around and fucking shit up. Um not only a top director, but Wes uh, Craven is actually a pretty good actor. And I do do enjoy that scene. I actually think he is a good actor. Um, I was surprised how, when, when I first saw this, I was surprised at how good he was. Yeah, he's not like, you know, when they put them people with, like themselves into these sort of films and stuff, you're like, well, I mean, are you going to be really bad? But it's like I was mentioning earlier, like it's the subtleties in their performances that they're trying to portray themselves as being real because you're watching them as a person, not the actor portraying a character. Yeah. Um, and Wes Craven is doing that. He's playing Wes Craven. But it's it's the subtleties in his performance. He's, you know, every time you see Wes Craven in an interview, and he just comes across such a gentle soul, you know, even though he makes these films that are nasty and he does nasty really well, he just comes across as just a genuinely gentle and nice person. And that yeah. comes across in the film. So, once again, he plays his own part really well. The tension really builds in this film, uh, and it does so throughout. Uh, she's a good babysitter. Well, until she dies, a super gruesome death. Mm. I love it when it goes from real life to the movie. It's super clever. Uh, awesome callback to the melting stairs, which is obviously always a welcome addition, because as we know, and we said in part one of, of these specials, that we absolutely love... Um, you know, those, those stairs and how they looked and, and uh, how I always think that they're made of marshmallows and really want to eat them. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what these ones are made out of as well, because yeah. these look, they look almost identical to yes. the original. I wonder if they went, I wonder if Wes went, look, I know what worked and I know how to do it yeah. and I know it will look good. Let's do that because it's a nice <laughs> little callback. And I know how to do it for £2.50. <laughs> yeah, I made the I made the entire first movie on a fiver, so we, we, we've got loads of scope. We've got loads of money here. Demon Freddy dies in the way the real Freddy was created. And then I've put intelligent ending where uh, Langenkamp is reading the script, which is the start of the movie. Yeah. And that's that's what I've got for my for my watch through notes. So there's actually there's quite a bit there, but I think I mean you know, is that a sign of a film where you're talking about it loads because it's shit or is it because it's good? I think I think people will will tell from from those notes. Yeah, I, I think they will. And I think they're definitely going to tell from mine. As oh, go, well. on, go on, let's go. Um, it, what you got? Uh, cool music. It's back. Yeah. I'm so pleased it's back. Oh, we're seeing someone build a knife, gu- a knife glove. Yeah. The knife glove is a prop. Oh, thank fuck. Wes is back. That, that's how I open yeah. this. <laughs> Just that opening scene, it rolls into, you see the glove making like yeah. the first, and then you see the glove is actually a prop. I was like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. So, so good. New glove is awesome. The one that's the, the prop one. I think that robotic 
glove yeah. claw is just a brilliant prop. And the kill it does is awesome. Yeah. It just comes to life and starts killing people. I was like, yes. It's I'm like we said, in. it's like we said before that when Wes Craven directs a death scene, you know, he does nasty so well. Like we well, we said, he's so good at those scenes, which mean which which is mental to me from being such a nice man. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 definitely got a very 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 good mind for for, for slaughter evil. and murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Freddie looks awesome, best looking Freddie since the original. Oh, um, I'm not glad sh- you put that. Uh, not sure why he's got pointy ears. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he's got they're almost like genie ears. They kind of point up at the top. That was yeah. the only thing I was like, why have you done that? I think um, they um I, I mentioned I, I I got on my uh, my thoughts. I speak a little bit about that as well. But I think it's because they sort of play on that demon thread. It Freddy sort of look, isn't it? Uh, where, yeah. Where it's slightly off kilter. But I'll get into that anyway. You carry on. Sorry. Okay. Cool. No, that's cool. The sets are amazing. Literally everything. The sets yeah. when they're on set in the movie look like sets but they look great and then yeah. when they're in the real world but they're still sets they also look great og nightmare on elm street on the tv did you spot that i did not no so there's a bit where um the little kid who's got the big head who's really annoying really, really oh annoying yeah yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I did. Yeah, he's watching. Um, he's watching TV, and it's the original. And it's Nightmare the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, and again, it's just that little detail from Wes that I just went, "That's really clever." Yeah, that's really clever. I really like that. Um, the kid is so 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 creepy. He creeps me out in every scene. He reminds me of the kid from The Sixth Sense. Yes, he's got that kind of oh Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, it's the eyes. Yeah, it's that that kind of almost zoned out gone i'm not here look but i'm yeah. still talking to you imagine if that was your kid you know what i mean like it's it's uh you, you know you wouldn't want to be near it you'd be terrified all the time yeah d- definitely uh <laughs> rob Ro- robert england as robert england plays the nicest guy ever and he's so so good at yeah. playing himself yeah robert england on the tv show is possibly the best bit of meta tv i've ever seen before meta was even a concept <laughs> where he goes on and does the the talk show yeah and he comes out and he's like i'm freddie and he's in his freddie costume and he's like high-fiving all the <laughs> like, I, I absolutely love that that's yeah. the goofy freddie bit that wes took and he went look goofy freddie's got a place but do it right this is how you do it right. yeah this is Don't how do you it. do it you do it like this and then you put him back being really evil afterwards. Yeah. And it just, it was perfect. I'm your boyfriend now. Call back. I loved yeah. uh, with the phone. Lynn Shay, John Saxon, Bob Shay, Wes all playing themselves. Perfect. Uh, the hospital Freddy scene is outstanding. Yes. So when good. he drags her up over the ceiling, obviously we got that in the first one, but yeah. we didn't see Freddy. Now seeing it again and actually seeing Freddie do it, yeah, really added another element to that because instantly you go back to the original and I can picture now Freddie dragging her up the ceiling in that scene. I just, it's, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, um, natural disasters annoyed me. Uh, the kid is terrible. His acting's awful. I hate this kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, really. Nice way for Freddy to die. Perfect ending as far as I'm concerned. This is where the franchise could end. 
I mean, this is why the rankings are going to be so good because obviously I think like most of the time we can see where what's going to be near the top or where's going to be, you know, near there and what's going to be, I think the bottom half is going to be what's the interesting part uh, of the of the rankings. Uh, so I, I can't I wait don't know. for that. I, I, I don't know. I think my top three might raise a few eyebrows. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, let's do it. Then. I can't wait. I can't wait. But um, it's just such a great entry to the franchise. Uh, and, and that's sort of why... You know, we're only doing the original sort of seven because for me, these, you know, these are the originals. These are the seven, you know, you've got Freddy versus Jason, but it's not really part of it. It's just something that's a bit of fun. And obviously, you know, the new piece of shit, we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, but um, <laughs> you know, and uh, we get, I'll probably get loads of hate for that because there are some people who like it, uh, you know, and well done to them. Um, but it's not for everyone. So, so this film is a very nice place to leave it. Uh, to leave it on um, but these anyway these are my thoughts on the film anyway um, so as I mentioned this film is so layered you have the fact that Freddy is back uh, well obviously in a way uh, you have the earthquakes but you have the scariest part for me uh, as a parent is the safety of the kid and the desperation to save him but no one believes you and nobody believes what the hell is going on and it's a really clever concept for me because if this was, you know, they're playing a character and this is going on, you understand it, but you're watching a film, they're playing themselves and yeah. that's supposed to be, you know, her real son and no one's believing that in this real world any of this is happening and they think she's fucking mental. And that's that's a scary concept because, you know, when you're a parent, all you want to do is protect your kids. Yeah, it is. And I like the fact that when she goes for help, so she goes to see Saxon first and yeah. he's really... He's really supportive, but he's kind of like, yeah, okay, great. But he thinks she's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then when she goes and sees Robert England, Robert England is fully invested and believes, and I absolutely love the fact that Robert England's like, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I get it. I'm having yeah. these weird dreams. These are all my paintings. That little touch that someone else believed that I thought was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like if Wes was to continue with the series after this, then he would have. Uh, then he would definitely made more like this. This is definitely a darker film in regards to the demon Freddy. Um, he still has the odd line, but he is way more sinister and very much like the original Freddy, which for me is the best Freddy to be. Um, you know, he's not. It's we. You know, we haven't got all this comedy. We haven't got slapstick stand-up comedian Freddy. Uh, we've got you know Freddy going back to the darkness. You know, I get it. It's not Freddy. It's Demon Freddy, you know what I mean? But, yeah, you know, and that's the argument that people will have um, or do have and have had. It's still it's, Freddy. But it's still Freddy. <laughs> it's still Freddy. And uh, in this, he's terrifying. And that's, for me, you know, where, where he should be. Um, the film looks great and fresh. And I love the use of the camera uh, in it. It looks brilliant and very reminiscent to a certain other Wes Craven film in many ways. Uh, a lot of this film in regards to its looks and it being self-aware is a huge factor in Scream. And this is this is a film definitely set the path for Wes and Williamson to do that. Um, there's quite a lot in regards to aesthetically in this film reminds me a lot of Scream. Yeah, um, very and much you, so. And you could see where the roots sort of came from. Yeah, uh, especially when you get lots of... I don't want to call them scenery shots, but when you get shots of like the vans and stuff outside the houses and that yeah. panning away shot, yes, while there's people coming out of the house, that is literally straight out of screen. Straight, That's yeah. exactly what you get. 
absolutely yeah um so this and this will be so i wrote this as that this will be controversial um but you sort of touched in it anyway um and it's and obviously it's not technically freddy as i've already said but i genuinely believe that this is the best freddy has looked in any of the films with the exception of the bone glove the man made scary as fuck original glove is so much better but his overall look in this makes him a lot creepier and more sinister looking uh, and also, uh, you know, you could probably lose the leather trail trousers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bit weird and a bit of a product of the time. Um, but that's my opinion. I know a lot of people will probably disagree because I have seen a lot of people online who don't like his look in, in New Nightmare. But in all honesty, I actually prefer his look in this probably over the first or anything that he's looked like in it because I just... In this, he looks more like the essence of evil and not, you know, like I keep saying, you know, like a burned victim of, you know, of a house fire of <laughs> Phil Collins, a toasted <laughs> Phil Collins. Um, but but in this, he he looks really menacing. He looks scary. And but I think that he really looks great in this film. And I would say he looks the best in this than any Freddy movie. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does look great in this, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, a lot of nice callbacks, like you've already said, and I really like the sh- um, the, uh, the the scenes with um, oh, with the shift with John Saxon from him playing himself, but then it switches to him playing a dad again, which is a great scene, a really, really clever scene. Once again, it's the intelligence of doing that. Um, it's a great scene, but really well acted by John Saxon. Not only is Heather Langenkamp absolutely stunning in this film, but her performance is fantastic. Now, this is another thing that might be a little bit controversial, but we touched on it a little bit in part one uh, as well. Um, But in this, she nails everything, which makes the film even better for me because... Uh, to be honest, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, she does the job that she needs to in that movie yeah. in regards to performances. Um, You know, she's okay, but in many scenes in Dream Warriors... I, I don't I don't think she's very good at all. Um, she just feels a bit out of place in in Dream Warriors. It's the delivery. I don't know. It's just it just doesn't work for me. Um, so I, I did question her acting abilities when it came to Dream Warriors. But then I, you know I feel like after watching this film, I need to punch myself in the face for saying it because she's <laughs> absolutely phenomenal in this film. You know she plays herself incredible. Um, which is a weird thing to say, but she does uh, an absolutely fantastic job in this film. It's the subtleties in the performance that make it feel real, that make her feel like a real person um, who she is playing, obviously a real person she's playing herself, but she is fantastic in this film, Um, as is is everyone. But it was a real eye-opener to me when I saw this, when I was like, she's actually fantastic. And I, I was I was wrong all the all fucking along. It was I was wrong, and the uh, the only thing I would like uh, I would like to have more of is Demon Freddy doing more. He popped up every now and again, but appeared more at the end. But it could have done uh, with more of him, and I would have liked to have 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 the end scene be back at the Elm Street house, really closing the chapter like like the in the original for Nancy and Freddy. And I think fans would have loved that. I would have liked it to end in you know in like a boiler room or something like that within the original nightmare on yeah. elm street house end kind of how it started yeah. just do a full bring a full loop to it 
Absolutely. Um, but that's the love, loved it to end. And I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of him because it plays on quite a lot of the, the psychological side of it in this film rather than Demon Freddy or Freddy just coming out and killing people and getting those iconic deaths that we know Wes Craven can bring. You get a little bit less on that to work with the story and the, and the structure and stuff. So I would like to have seen a little bit more from that. So that was probably one of my biggest gripes with with the movie but that's my thoughts what are your thoughts okay uh, thank god where's craven come back and took <laughs> control of this franchise um in my opinion this is where wes proved himself as a master of horror in comparison it's really easy to make something new and make something scary yeah to take something that had been fucked to the point that every critic out there tore it to pieces yeah to take that back over and bring not only credibility back to it, but make a movie that really pushed boundaries and made people question what horror could do proves that he is a master of horror. That This is the movie that proved just how good Wes was. Yeah. because It wasn't something new. It was something that he made that was then taken and adapted and changed and altered and made funny and made silly and Wes just he found such a beautiful way of going that's great and I'm going to accept all of that happened but I'm going to start again and still keep all of that in it so you're all happy and I'm going to make it dark and scary again and his ability to do that I don't think there's many directors who could take a broken franchise and fix it yeah I, I completely agree the talent of the cast in this is exceptional. This is Heather Langenkamp's best performance by a country mile. It's Robert England's best performance by a country mile. The new look of Freddie is outstanding. I love the addition of the trench coat. I love the fact that they've made him just look horrible. Yeah. He, he looks nasty all the time. Yeah. It's, even in the first ones, there was times when he looked a bit goofy. So, for example, with the big, long, extendable oh, arms. Yeah, 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 what you spoke about. And and a lot of the original as well, it, you know, so much of it is shot in the darkness, you know, and and his, his hat would cast that shadow over him. So it would be yeah. scary because of, you know, what was happening or the way they would light it and stuff like that. But you're right. Sometimes you would see it and it would look a bit goofy. But yeah. in, in New Nightmare, he looks so demonic so sinister that it's terrifying yeah it's it's he's really scary in this and he's the scariest in this than he's been in any of the movies yeah um the callbacks to the other movies are are endless uh one of my favorites probably one of the most subtle ones is the when they're getting him into the oven right the, yeah ex, the extending hand yes where his, his hand went out and i was like of course, it, of course, his arms can grow because yeah. he's done that in the first one. Yeah. But this time it looked good. It yes. looked good. Yeah. And then with the the tongue that comes out as well, it's like, oh, that's a callback to when we had Snake or Worm Freddy. Yes. Yeah. All of these little nods and they're so fast and so constant that it's just Wes's complete understanding of not only what he created, but what everyone else done yes. to it. He's not throwing it all under the bus. He's including it in his film uh, yeah. and then creating something on top of it. Yeah. So he, he took all the bits from all the movies. We all the movies, he took a bit from them. Yeah. And he just made it better without a doubt. This is the movie that birthed scream 
Uh, I know you mentioned that as well. This was, I see Wes Craven using this as a pilot for an idea he had in his head. Mm. Um, He had an idea that he wanted to do Scream. He wasn't sure what to do with it. So he went, well, I'm going to do this. So let's try it. Let's Let's see how, let's see how audience respond to it. I, I love this movie. Uh, unconditionally there's yeah. there's nothing else i can say on it and that's me pretty much wrapped on what i think of, of this one yeah and it, and it's it, it's it's really interesting this one because it's, it's it's one of the ones out of them that if i haven't seen the series like all together like like for for these episodes and for these specials that if you haven't seen some of them for a while this is always one that sticks with me no matter what because of the iconography from you know what Wes Craven creates is that even in what is essentially you know the last proper of the Freddy film of the originals, he has managed to create something so fresh, and that's what Wes Craven is the master of with creating something that feels so new, like like you said, like he did with Scream. You know, yeah. he he created something lives on and is always a watch for everyone over the Halloween season. And I know I will be this, you know, during this month as well. But once again, no matter how many times you watch that film, it feels fresh. It feels new. Yeah. And that's what this film feels like. It's not just because it feels fresh of the series. It just, it just feels new every time you, you watch it. And it is a standout for me. I don't want to say too much more because uh, otherwise it's giving away <laughs> even more. Um, right. So production info, for uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, The film was made for the celebration of the 10th anniversary of the original film's release. Written under the working title A Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension, Wes Craven set out to make a deliberately darker film than recent entries to the franchise, which he regarded as being cartoonish and not faithful to his original themes, which is true. Uh, In New Nightmare, Kruger was portrayed closer to what Craven had imagined. To reinforce this, the character's makeup and outfit were enhanced, with one of the most prominent differences being that he now wears a long blue-slash-black trench coat and that the signature glove was redesigned for a more organic look, with the fingers resembling bones and having muscle textures, which, as I said earlier, is the only thing I don't really like about his look because I I like the whole man-made sort of stuff because, obviously, you know, he would have made it. He yeah. would have been able to create this. He wouldn't be able to create some sort of bone flesh glove. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's the only thing I don't like about his look in it. But everything else is, is absolutely perfect. Um, Craven kept most of the wardrobe from the first film as souvenirs before New Line Cinema threw them all away and reused some of it for New Nightmare. During the talk show stage scene, Englund donned his original Freddy costume, except the original glove, which has been missing after filming the first film. The film took critics by surprise, with most thinking the franchise was dead and had nothing left to give. But New Nightmare was reviewed positively and was regarded as a new, fresh take, uh, not just for Freddy, but for horror in general. They praised the, uh, the now known as meta idea of it, and for its twists and turns, and some saying it's the best-looking one of the franchise. Heather Langenkamp, for this film, won a Chainsaw Award for her performance, which she obviously wholeheartedly deserved. And with a budget of $8 it made 19, which unfortunately to date is the lowest box office total for any in the series. 
That's that's sad and, and, not, sad. and not justified. It's not representative of the film. Um, no. But I think it's one of those things where people have had enough for so long, they decided not to bother. And uh, if they had, then this film would have been even better received, I think, and would have made even more money than than what it did. But unfortunately, yeah. it just means that it's uh, the lowest in the, in the series, which which it doesn't deserve to be. No, and the crazy thing is, I, I speak to people now. There's still people I talk to who've not seen this. Which oh, really? St- yeah, just boggles my mind. I was talking to someone the other day, and they're like, "Yeah, I, I never bothered with New Nightmare." And I was like, "What? What? what? Yeah, why? Yeah, go, like, go, you have go to. and watch it." Was, and then I followed that with, "Have you seen the remake?" Yeah, I've seen the remake. Uh, right, go no, and watch New go Nightmare and watch now. New Nightmare. Get out! Why, of why have you skipped that? What stop, are you doing? Stop talking to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, anybody that you know we're doing this run through and I, I assume or hope that everybody who's watching these two parts have seen these movies and all of them but if if you haven't seen any of them you know whether it's one of them or, or three of them or whatever just make sure you do because no matter what we say it, you know this is our interpretations of how we feel about the films it doesn't really mean anything it just means this is how we feel about them so everybody should go and make their own opinions of it but yeah, and this film, The New Nightmare, just on the basis of it being a phenomenally made film and a masterclass of filmmaking, that's why people should go and watch A New Nightmare. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, if there's people out there that haven't seen any entries to the series, you've got to go and do it, but make sure uh, New Nightmare is one you see because it could stand alone as being a fantastic movie. So the three Freddy facts uh, that I have, Uh, Winona Ryder and Drew Barrymore uh, were considered for the role of Julie. Neither actress was able to take the role due to prior commitments. But obviously we know that Drew Barrymore turned up uh, in one of Wes Craven's other films, Scream. The film marks the first of four times that Wes Craven played himself. So he played himself in, obviously, A New Nightmare. He played himself in Welcome to Hollywood, a comedy from 1998. He was himself in Jay and Silent Bob, Strike Back. Well, and of course he, fin- he was. Yeah, he was. And he finally played himself in the show, uh, which starred Nathan Fillion, uh, called Castle. And uh, the TV show appearance was inspired by a real encounter. According to Craven, Robert Englund and I did an appearance together on a public television uh, in the San Francisco area. It was about whether the kids of the of uh, kind of movies uh, was uh, so this kind of movie was bad for the children or not. There were parents in the audience and then kids. All the kids leapt to their feet and started chanting, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. I remember looking at the show host and parents and they all looked horrified. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that that's it. I mean, that's sort of like, I don't know. It's like one of those things. It's like good and bad, I suppose, if you take it from that, because it's sort of like what we've been saying all along. You know, this is what Freddy's become, you know, a figure, an iconic figure. But when he's becoming an iconic figure for kids, I don't yes. know if that's the right thing. <laughs> no, the thing is, you say that if you took three, four and five, yeah, I'd say that Freddy for kids exactly. probably isn't that bad. If you took Freddy from one, two and New Nightmare, probably don't have him as an icon for children. No, that, that's it. That's it. Right. What are your three Freddy facts? Right. So uh, the events for this film revolve around Heather Langenkamp having a stalker. Um, in real life, she had a stalker. And in a conversation with Wes Craven, Wes Craven asked her permission if he could use that 
and weave it into the story. That was never the original plot. That was a conversation when he approached Heather to be in the movie, just in their general conversation, she mentioned she had a stalker and he went, that's a great idea. Can I use that, please? Blimey. She said yes. The thing is, I think if Wes Craven goes, can I use part of your life in the story? I don't think there's any other answer, but yes, no. is there? No, I think, <laughs> I mean, with Wes Craven, you can do nothing but trust the guy. So, yeah, you just go, the yeah. same. Yeah, that's fine. You go ahead. You you plaster my trauma all through an hour and 40 minute <laughs> movie. Uh, uh, the basic, basic premise for the film of Freddie invading the real world and haunting the actors and the crew responsible was originally the intended script for Dream Warriors right. that, we that Wes pitched and it was declined. They didn't like it. So when he come back, he come back on the condition, I get to do the script that I wanted to do for three and you said no. And do you remember at three when I walked away and it all went tits for you? <laughs> so probably now is the time to let me have what I want. The final one, before making this movie, Wes Craven watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films multiple times. Ah. Uh, by the time he was finished, he claimed that he couldn't follow the storyline of any of them after he left the franchise. Um, so he decided to take a completely different direction. He compared the others as weak and poor. So there we have it. They are the, the facts that we've got on the last entry to the series. But... Now we, we move on to the thing that, I mean, I've just said I'm a little bit nervous about, but the thing oh, that I'm am. also super excited about. I don't know why I'm nervous, uh, but it's one of those things, you know, it's not acceptance because whatever I fucking say doesn't mean anything. Um, but, but it's <laughs> and just, the same for me. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we, you know, we just enjoy horror. We enjoy these films. Um, but I know that there probably will be some controversial, you know, looks and probably messages that we get. Uh, about about how we rank them or how different we are. So we're going to go from seven, seven upwards. And we'll start, obviously, you know, we will end on our favourite of the series. So, okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Right, okay. So <clears throat> number seven, I've got Dream Child. Okay. What have you got for number seven? Uh, number seven, I've got Freddy's Dead. Oh, the sixth one, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's it. So you've got that. Okay, so at number six, I've got Freddy's Revenge. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, uh, number six, I've got Dream Child. Right, okay. So, yeah, so this is... So I thought when I put Freddy's Revenge, obviously, which is the second entry to the series, I knew that that would be like a really controversial one to put down so low because I know quite a, lot, quite a few people... Regard, regard that one quite highly but there was just something about it you just I think I spent a lot of my time in that film not understanding what was going on or how it made sense I think with a lot of the films you just sort of go along with it and go well like like we've said in the later on in the series it's sort of like well now it's just become a little bit yeah. of fun and stuff but you sort of get that I just couldn't get on with the second entry um, but then when we did our our run through of it or when we we did the first part of, of obviously these specials, you actually opened my eyes more into, you know, the good bits and the good parts of, you know, of Freddy's Revenge. But I've still kept yeah, it there. And <laughs> it's, it's, one, it's one of those ones that not everyone likes. It's as yeah, simple as that. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so at number six, I had Freddy's Revenge. What did you have for your sixth in the uh, series? Uh, it was Dream Child. Oh, it's Dream Child. Sorry, it was yeah. Dream Child. Right. Okay. 
yeah, I mean, I can I can see see why. I mean, I think we've both <laughs> had it right at near the bottom of our lists. Uh, it's just not a good one. Uh, number five, I had Freddy's Dead. Okay, so you put that too higher than me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate I hate Freddy's. I don't <laughs> hate it, but it's it's the worst of the bunch for me. Yeah. Uh, my number five is Dream Master. Right. Okay. So my number four is Dream Master. Okay. Oh, we're not far away with no, those, we're not then. far away with those ones. Um, my number four, in complete contrast to you, is Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> and I thought I thought that would that was going to happen. Uh, like when I when I wrote my rankings, I thought that that was going to be the case because I would think that's the case in quite a few you know fans of of Nightmare on Elm Street. But I I just couldn't get I couldn't get along with it, which is why it was so sort of low down in my ranking. So this is where it gets really interesting. Yeah, because. Uh- I I really struggle to do the top. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I really do. And even even when I say it, I'm still going to be doubting myself. Yeah. And my top three, I'm going to say now, my top three have changed multiple times for a long time. <laughs> and lots of people know this who listen to my show. There's been a Nightmare on Elm Street movie has been top forever. Yeah. On rewatching the franchise back to back, one after another after another, my top three have changed drastically. Right. So before everyone messaged me, he goes, that's not what you said. It's changed. It's changed. And this is how it is. From, for, for now, this yeah, is what it now. is. It right, will, okay. no doubt I'll change next time I rewatch them all. But for now, this is how it is. This is it. Right. I feel like I need to, like, I mean, I can't do special effects, but I feel like I need to have, like, drum rolls and fucking everything going on in this. But, right. <laughs> so for my third favourite, in the series, I, I, it's difficult to say, is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay, that's a solid position for New Nightmare. Yeah. Um, I think mine may be more controversial. Right. Uh, my, my number three in the franchise. You're going to say is, it. I know what you're going to say. Is Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. As much as I love it, it's just when you compare it to the ones I've got above it, it just doesn't sit at the same level for me. I right, don't get okay. the same enjoyment out of it that I do the next two. This is why I knew I was going to love doing these rankings. Uh, and I, I feel sorry now, and I apologise to anyone who's going to slam me on messages, but that's just how I feel. It's a, well, <laughs> listen, it's all that matters is how you feel about it. That's all that matters. So then with number two, because obviously there's only two films left, there uh, is. My number two, my second favourite Nightmare on Elm Street film is Dream Warriors. Okay. And that ties in really nicely then, because my second favourite is Dream Warriors, which was my top for as long as I can remember. Yeah. So there we go. So it can only leave one for each of us. So with my number one, my favourite film in the series Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which leaves for you, your favourite is is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And I don't think we're wrong. I like. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because so I I tell you why it was really difficult for me. So it's so even trying to explain it is difficult. But so a New Nightmare. The, basically, the way that I had to work it and compromise it into my brain was. It came down to things like iconography 
you know, uh, what stands out? What are the things that I remember from my childhood? And now what sort of what stands out to me? Which ones of these entries goes right? OK, that's at the forefront in my mind every time I think of the Nightmare on Elm Street and then do that with these top three. I sort of knew that these were always going to be in my top three. Um, as they are, to be honest, with quite a few, quite a few people. Yeah, but it would then it was all about well, what bits did I did I not like? Which bits would I take out of these films? And then what makes the other films better because of those bits? If you get what I mean. So with a new nightmare, I was so close to having that second, but then I wanted a little bit more of Freddy from a new nightmare. So. Yeah. As much as I think it's integral, like it's integral to Wes Craven to show once again how much of a master of horror, but not just of horror as a filmmaker he is, to like you said earlier, come back to the series and go, by the way, this is how you fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's incredible that he did that. But I felt that because he was adapting the real world scenario, he it felt that it lost a little bit of what Freddy is, which is why then I ended up putting Dream Warriors a little bit ahead of it because I really enjoy the dream world side of it. That side of is something that I would have liked them to explore a little bit more, but in a different way as to what they obviously did when it went along in the series. I think Dream Warriors did that in a really, you know, entertaining way. Yeah, entertaining, but still keeping it. Dream Warriors was the last one of the, we'll call them the original bunch yes, that yeah. had that dark element remaining. It, st- it was still there underneath yeah. the humour. And when you go four, five, six, that dark element's just gone. They yes. just abandoned it and just went down. Let's make Freddy funny. What gag can Freddy do next? Yeah, absolutely. And then with Dream Warriors, it was like, well, they have those really like you're saying the really dark elements so i think dream warriors has got some really really nasty kills in it like i would say my it's difficult to say favorite but i would say the worst out of the whole series for me um is the fact that obviously once again like in dream warriors he's preying on uh the trauma that he does uh more so than anything than he ever does in dream warriors he plays on that with these you know with uh these kids that are already thinking and contemplating you know unfortunately suicide and stuff and it's a very dark film but then it has that kill uh that we've spoken about with uh the veins and and all that sort of stuff and that's a horrible horrible death so so then it always stands out and then obviously you've got prime time bitch and you've got so many like classic but as i said for me it comes down to the iconography and uh, I don't even know if that's a word. I've just made it up, but I'm no, using I, I, I think that's a word. Good. I'll take that as a if word. It, if it isn't, it is now. Um, I think it's because the original Nightmare on Elm Street is it encaptures exactly who Freddy is as a character. There's the odd bit where he says something a little bit funny, but it's yeah. not. But it's but it also when he's saying that it comes across as sinister, it comes across as creepy. Whereas later on in the series, it's just dad jokes and it doesn't really work very well. But he is very dark and he's very sinister in the original film. But yeah. also it's about for me, I I strip, you know, it's about stripping Freddie back to the absolute basic of what the concept of Freddie is. 
And still to this day, it is frightening concept where you turn around and go, there is someone who's trying to kill you in your dreams. Yeah. And I just feel that the original film, uh, with it being the original, understands the basics of that better. And it got that point across more so with the deaths as well. And that's when it comes into the iconography, because look at the deaths that you get in it. You know, you get the, you know, the start of the death, uh, where you've got the revolving room and it's up and you know and then it's sort of like how many times at that point and even now have you seen that and then you've got the Johnny Depp's death which is absolutely insane yeah the special effects in the film so it all comes down to as I said the iconography and that's why the original Nightmare on Elm Street is still my favorite to this day it's masterful direction where he got the most out of nothing and and it's just dark and sinister, but still incredibly enjoyable to this day to watch. But man, it was it is so tough to try and think of this top three. I, I want to know yours. I want to know why you. Yeah, uh... it's, it, it's really as you say, it's really hard to pull them apart. And if I'm honest, those top three could change on an next <laughs> rewatch. Yeah. Um, the reason New Nightmares the top. I mean, New Nightmares always been sat third for me. It was Dream yes. Warriors, the original, then New Nightmare. Um, on this rewatch, I got so much more from New Nightmare. So my kind of favourite genre of horror is demonic possession movies. Right, okay. That's kind of my wheelhouse. I really like that. And that I didn't, I picked it up obviously before, but on this rewatch, I really understood how much Wes Craven knew that genre. Yeah. He got that demonic evil entity probably better than most demonic movies yeah. nail it and then the amount of he took everything he'd done in the original nightmare on elm street so we had the revolving room kill again we had the extendable arms we had all these wonderful practical effects and he took all of that that he knew that he'd done 10 years prior and he just took it one step further he pushed it that little bit further but didn't go over the top with it he showed you he showed you how much movie making has come on, but still using practical effects. He didn't just do what everyone else done was lean heavily on CGI. He still went, no, this is going to be practical. I'm just going to make it better. It just his understanding of being able to be so meta, but, but meta is a term that didn't even exist yes. when he made this. Absolutely. And to, to come up with the concept of a movie within a movie, with a villain that's in the movie, but also in the real world and making the real world, the scary place and the movie, the safe place. I just think it's just genius writing. And it's, and somehow he made it all make sense. Uh, yeah. Cause if you explain it, like I just did then you're like, what? But it, <laughs> it, it's so well done. It's so well directed and all of the nods, but the fact he took the effort even to nod back to the shit ones, yeah, the bad ones, he went, look, yeah, you done something there. I liked that little bit. And it's like, in my facts, I said that he watched them all. So he's watched them all, and he's obviously sat there with a notepad and pen, same as we do. And he's not reviewed them, but he's going through going, that was rubbish, that was rubbish. <laughs> that, I, that I quite like, but I'm going to take that and do that better. Yeah. Um, there's things I would have liked him to have added to New Nightmare, but I wish that I wish New Nightmare had carried on. I'd yes. love to have seen a sequel to New Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Because I think had Wes carried on with this and not gone down the screen route, I think the next new nightmare would have been even better. He had so many good ideas that he just ported over and put them into screen. If you take that screen premise, but put Freddy in place of Ghostface, you've got a completely different ballpark. Yeah. And I... It just this watch it just hit so well on everything, and I just, I it's brilliant. I loved it. Good. Well, there we go. I mean, our, our I'm sure I'll put them online as well, so people can can obviously see our official rankings uh, of of what we did with with these the series. But nobody's wrong, um, because no. that that's that's the point of horror of of rankings. It's um, we take from all these films. You know, like I've always said, and, and you said as well, like, you know, we've mentioned films that we can't stand before. We've mentioned films that we absolutely love before. And um, there's so many films that we mentioned that people absolutely hate and love the opposite of what we do. So this is the point of the genre. It's um, divided in terms of what people like and what people think about it. Um, and even though I've given my rankings, I'm still sitting here now thinking, is that still... Right. Am I right? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, uh, and, and I'm doing the same. So I'm looking at going New Nightmare and now I'm talking about the original game. Oh, well, have I put them yeah. in the wrong place? But I'm, they're my rankings for now. And I yeah. guarantee in a year's time when I've rewatched all these movies again, they might change. They you might never know. Completely Fre- different. Fre- Fred, Freddy's dead might be top. It's <laughs> unlikely. But... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll tell you one thing that will never be top. Dream Child. That one, <laughs> that one will, can stay, stay out of any of my rankings near the top. It's just not a good one. Um, but it's weird. It's interesting to find that ranking the top half was more difficult than the bottom half. Yeah. Um, which doesn't normally happen so much because a lot of the time with these films, you know, you go, well, the first one's the best. So the others don't really matter. But in this one, well, it takes yeah, a lot it, of thinking. It, it, if you look at sort of any of the other franchises, you look at Halloween, you look at Friday the 13th, you look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nine times out of ten, the original is going to sit at the top yeah. and everything else below it is kind of second rate fodder. Yeah. Uh, and this franchise is one of the few franchises where you really struggle to pull them apart. Yeah. But if you said to any Halloween fan, what's the best Halloween movie? Every single one of them is going to go 1978 John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. You John would hope Dunn. so. <laughs> you would hope yeah. so. <laughs> you would hope so. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, uh, you know, you, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, um, there's not a, another franchise out there really that you can turn around and have to think so much about what your favorite one is or what your favorite top three is. Um, yeah. And, and it makes it easier as it goes, goes along. And who'd have thought that one of the last, well, the last entry into the original seven films would end up being your favorite and, and yeah. my third favorite. It's goes to show the ups and downs of this series and, and it's saga and uh, of, of the influence of nightmare on Elm street um, yeah. on horror. But then that, that leads us really nicely uh, into uh, how to sort of close this, this, uh, this two part of the special two part are off um, in let's talk horror channel fashion, where, you know, we talk a little bit about the films it, it itself. I've really enjoyed going through all these films again, because no matter how much we might have slagged them off, some of them, ultimately, they're still fun. You can put any of these films on. You don't have to sit there and rank them, obviously, like we have, but you can put any of them on and sit there and go, yeah, that was that was fun. 
And yeah. uh, and that's the main thing to take away from from this, really, is that none of the films in this series are films where you go, that's a piece of shit. I never want to watch that in my life again. They just might not be good as some of the others that have come before it or after. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. I mean, th- this franchise as a whole, for me, is one that it is my favourite franchise. It will always be my favourite franchise. I love the concept of the dream world. I love the concept of later on where they they bring in the demon element i like the fact that it's got so much scope to grow and so many different places it can go and you can pick any of these movies will suit any mood you're in so if you're in a quite a let's let's have a bit of fun let's be silly yeah sling on dream master sling on dream warriors not because they're stay away from no no no. (laughs) because they're they're good fun movies or if, if you're feeling you want something a bit darker you've got new nightmare and you've got the original or yeah. even Freddy's Revenge is yeah. a darker tone to it. You've got there's something in here for everyone, whether you like a goofy horror movie or you like really nasty. Yeah, there's something in this you can pick out. And that that's why I love this franchise, because it's it fits for everybody somewhere. Yes. And and I think what's always really, really stood out to me uh, f- for this series is a couple of things. But one we have a bad guy that is a legitimate bad guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, and I've said this before, but he was a piece of shit before he became an even bigger piece of shit. And uh, he was already a fucking nasty person. Uh, and depends on, you know, which which way you take it in regards to what they say, whether he did or didn't do it in the series and so on. But if you believe that, you know, that he was this person who they say he was and they burnt him um, you know, and set fire to him, and that's who created Freddy Krueger. He was already a nasty person, so he ends up winning because he ends up getting to come back and kill all these kids in their dreams. And that's the yeah. other thing is that, like I said earlier, what's more terrifying than going to sleep and having somebody chasing you and trying to kill you? It, it's sort of like the whole ca- the Candyman thing. You know, it's all about concept. You know, yeah, I'm nearly forty, and I still haven't and will never go to the toilet and 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 turn the lights off or whatever and say candy man i just won't do it i don't want i don't want tony todd to come and kill me he's scary as fuck and i, I won't do it and that, that's pathetic but I don't, i'm not i'm not going to do it but this is the thing it's all about for me horror works really really well when it's concepts when it's about things that you are too scared uh, to think about or to deal with or want to do like candy man and stuff so the amount of times where I thought about this series or have, um, you know, gone to bed and you think about it and then you have dreams about it. You know what I mean? And it's all about concept. And that's why this film, obviously, with the, with the, you know, Wes Craven being the absolute legend that he is, he's being able to create this timeless monster that has a concept that's scary enough as it is that you could have carried on forever making films yeah. with just this concept but yet there's so much more to it uh, and yeah. so much more to the ways that they do it or the ways that they interpret it or the different ways that they kill people whether it's in the dreams or out the dreams it's just a very clever franchise but intellectually is that a word probably yeah um, word. <laughs> <laughs> it shows how intelligent i am because i don't know words um, but it, it, it shows the full understanding of how intelligent of a filmmaker or uh, of a, a designer or of a story idea maker 
that Wes Craven is, is to create something like this that has stood the test of time and that we're now in 2022 where me and you are sitting here doing a podcast about the series. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's true. I mean, you think in a couple of years time, the original's 40 years old. It's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. And it sits up there with movies like the exorcist and movies like Halloween and the Texas chainsaw massacre. It is an iconic piece of cinema. Yeah. It's an iconic franchise and with probably the most iconic character in all of horror. Yeah. Because he's not silent. He's not a Jason Voorhees. He's not a Michael Myers. This guy has a a personality. He's he's an arsehole. Yeah. And he's done in such a way that he's an arsehole that you'd love to hate him. And you want want to see him crack a one-liner. You want to see him do a good kill because he's an intriguing character. Yeah. And he's inventive. How yeah. many, how many, how many other franchises has the killer turned into a TV and killed someone? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then told them when they were on prime time. You know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah, I mean, the main thing to take from all of this is that uh, obviously, you know, we had a great time going through it, watching these films again not at any point did I turn around and think to myself, well, I don't want to watch these again for a while. I could watch these again tomorrow. And then like you said, my ranking might completely change. Um, But it's just, it's been a great journey uh, to be, to be on uh, in this world of horror again, which, which is an amazing journey. Um, It's the first time that we've ever ventured into making two episodes. And um I'm happy that the first one that we've ever done, maybe the only ever one, but <laughs> the first one uh, <laughs> that I've ever done for the Let's Talk Horror channel is all about the Nightmare on Elm Street series because there is so much to these films, like you say, for for everyone, for everyone. Yeah. If you what if you like filmmaking uh, and intelligent ideas and designs and concepts uh, and uh, somebody going around being a fucking nasty bastard, then then that's what Nightmare's Elm Street films has. And then you get good performances every now and again. Yeah, you do. there's some really solid performances. There's some shocking ones as well, but on the whole, there's some really good ones. That's it, that's it. Well, look, I hope that everybody has really enjoyed um, these, these two parts. And uh, I'm really grateful that obviously... Scott's been along with this journey for for both of them. He's put up with me for for both of these episodes. Uh, it, it's been brilliant, honestly. I I've loved every. I, I've loved having an excuse to go back and watch them all, but actually for a purpose. Because I'll watch, I'll pick one and I'll watch it periodically through the year, or I'll watch a couple. But being able to sit there and go right, I'm going to go one, two, three, all the way through, and I've done it twice. I've watched yeah. all of these twice and I've loved it. It's been so much fun going back over them. And it, it's it's not something I do very often, as you know, because you're, oh, what episode's next? Oh, I'm doing that. So I need to focus on that. Whereas this was a, this is great. I can just sit down, watch and enjoy these movies that I really like. And I'm not really overanalyzing them because I know them, but I'm yeah. just taking notes of the bits I love. And I, I, I loved it. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure uh, to, to, to have you on the show. But obviously, you know, we, we you've spoken about it in the first episode, but I want you to speak about it in the second episode. You know, you run podcasts is obviously what you do, but also there's a million other things that you do as well. So now's your time to, to sell yourself on the second episode as well. OK, so this is the bit where I haul myself out. That's it. 
yeah okay um so we've got our youtube channel has just had a bit of a relaunch uh, so we've done our first episode pray uh, we've started putting youtube shorts on there now as well um we've got our which i do with elise is my co-host over on true crime um she's great very very outspoken <laughs> makes my life very difficult with <laughs> quizzes and all sorts of other wonderful things uh we've got our true crime podcast which i do with heather silman um and we're doing so we've got the smiley face killers is due out any day now and then after that we're diving into the wonderful delightful world of mr jeffrey Dahmer. he's a he's a lovely gent isn't he uh yeah Not. and it's some it's something that's been requested so many times and i'll be honest it's a case i i don't want to do mm. I, don't, I, I don't want to know about a man who eats people it doesn't yeah. doesn't do it for me um, but we've got that and obviously we've got uh the you run podcast horror movie review with me and mark where we go through horror movies we talk shit about them we praise them we argue which we've done a lot <laughs> on our, our month if you want an episode to get an idea of how much me and mark argue go to the monsters episode because that is borderline full-scale row throughout. <laughs> um and we've got loads of cool stuff coming up on there and yeah that's that's pretty much what we do we kind of cover a bit of everything now and that's it i mean look you do like i mentioned in the first episode you do so much and here I am just doing one bloody thing. So sorry for that. Um, <laughs> no, no. The, 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 you do one thing very, very well. I Thank do you. lots of things okay. Ah, no, no, no. You do all of them very, very well. Uh, don't take that away from you. I mean, look, all of, all of this, uh, you know, the podcast and stuff and everything, you know, all the promoting stuff that, you know, for, for you to come on my show and, and share what you do now it's for everyone else to take to do their part in it um so just please make sure that if you have really enjoyed these two-part specials um that you really go and share them on support the show uh really go and you know obviously rate them and leave reviews because i want to keep doing this forever and i love doing it you will make you know play the biggest part in that happening um the more people that listen to the show the more i want to do it and it makes me go well i am doing it right um makes me want to do it more it's nice to feel you know that you're doing something right um but it's the same with everything that scott's doing as well and and anything that you listen to whatever scott is doing uh and he's doing an amazing job and and everybody else that he's he's well your your whole team that you've got now um (laughs) like the a team you know you've got an amazing thing going over there and it's it's important that everybody gets on board does what they're supposed to and really support the shows that they they listen to um i know i bang on it i bang on about it quite a bit but we always want what's best for the shows and we always want everybody to to listen to them because we we feel that um you know we're bringing out uh content that horror fans love because we're horror fans ourselves uh, yeah. And that, and that's yeah. the, that's the main thing. So we are horror fans who want to create horror related content, um, and very good horror related content uh, for all of you amazing horror fans. Yeah, and if there's one thing you could do for BP or for me, uh, it's give us a review. Yes, on Spotify, all you need to do is click five stars. If you're listening on the app now, if you look down at your phone, just push that five star button. Yeah, it's really that's easy. It. Uh, do the same on Apple Podcasts and write something nice. And what that does is it bumps our shows up the ratings, which mean more people find us. Yeah. And the more people who find us, the, the bigger we grow. And we're not all about becoming the biggest show in the world. We just want all the work we do to reach 
a decent amount of people. And yes. just by you doing that thing that takes you a whole 10 seconds, you could do it now. Do it. Okay, you've done it. <laughs> that, that, that thing that takes you a whole couple of seconds makes such a big impact on our shows. And it's it's greatly appreciated when you do, do that. And it really, it really does. And I just want to say a massive thank you to uh, everybody that listened to part one uh, and that is listening to this as well. And anybody that has gone and supported um, our shows so far, you all make the world uh, of difference and you are all genuinely the reason that we keep, we keep doing this. You know, we love doing it, but your support for everything that we do uh, is the reason that keeps us going and keep doing these things and makes me want to do something where I put so much effort into doing a two part, special like this um and there's so much more to come from both uh, of our of our shows and our channels you know anybody that is a fan of horror anybody that loves this genre like we do um you've got some amazing things coming up so thank you to everyone thank you so much to scott for being on these two parts with me uh and thank you so much to everyone that has listened who supported as i keep saying Let's go on riding this journey through horror. Thank you so much, Scott. I no, really appreciate you being on the show. You're welcome. I've, I've honestly, I've loved every minute. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, listen, all I can do uh, is is just wish everybody well. Uh, I hope, obviously, with this being October and these specials are for the spooky season, I hope everybody is and does have an absolutely amazing Halloween. I hope everybody's getting their pumpkins ready uh, for carving. I hope everybody's got their decorations up. I hope everybody's getting ready for the big night itself, whether you're going out for parties or trick-or-treating. Whatever you're doing, just enjoy it. Be safe. And just make sure that uh, you share the love with uh, the Let's Talk Horror channel. And you do that with everything with the, with the Scott does over at the You Run podcast and everything else they do. Other than that, the usual, stay creepy. <laughs> Halloween is finally here. The spooky season that brings the fear. But don't get scared of the ghouls at night with the blackest eyes delivering up a fright. Or the shadows that climb the walls to the creepy sounds that fill the halls. Or the sound of voices from under the bed but never take a peek or you'll lose your head. There is no such things as monsters in the dark but there are such things as a hellhound's bark. Those red eyes that stare or clawed fingers that scrape or the voices in your head you just can't escape. So snuggle up and put on a film, one that gives you shivers and delivers the thrills. Blood guts and screamings what's bound to be when you're watching your pics for Halloween. The season of fun and trick or treats, just watch out for the witch creeping under your sheets. But always be careful going out on the night there may be vampires looking out for a bite. So let's have a laugh, but always beware, you're never too old for one last scare.